they just told me, you know what, you have no reason to be depressed because you're very blessed. You have all of these things going on in your life. And, and I couldn't explain to them, yes, I'm going through all of these amazing things in my life. And yet I still feel this way. I'm still going through anxiety and depression. Welcome to Adulting with Joy Spring, the how-tos of your 20s told by 20-something, traversing through life expectantly and with gusto. I got a question for you. Have you ever wanted to create your own podcast or your own show? Probably something like this? Well, if so, you should definitely check out Spring Studios Philippines. They are the first virtual production studio in Asia, and they empower the world of digital creatives by producing, editing, and distributing podcasts throughout the world. Check them out at www.springstudios.co. What's up, you guys, and welcome to another episode of Adulting with Joy Spring. This time around, a super special episode because we've been talking about having professional here on the show to really talk about the things that we've all been going through throughout this pandemic. A lot of you guys have been sending out your questions and your messages asking for help and mental health concerns that we needed to really address here on Adulting with Joy Spring. And I'm so excited to have our guest for today. He is a psychologist and the host of the Mind Cog podcast, expanding our minds and enriching our lives one conversation at a time. Welcome to the show, Glenn Tanner. Joyce, thanks for having me. Glenn, I'm so excited that you're here with us today. You know, I was listening to the episodes of Mind Cog and I was really just so amazed with the work and the episodes that you You've created in your MindCog series. How did you start doing all of this? Yeah, look, that's a really good question. Um, I've been a mad podcast fan now for five to six years, and um, I've just always really enjoyed podcasts. I like exercising, so I find um, listening to a podcast is a great way to learn while you're on the go. And you can do a lot of things while you're listening to podcasts. You can cook dinner, you can go to the gym, you can, you know, you can commute to work, go for a jog, go for a bushwalk. And at the same time, you can learn. Um, so I think they're fascinating. And early in the year, um, just before the pandemic uh, broke out, I decided that it was time to do something about it because I'd been putting it off and putting it off. And I thought, now's the time, now's the year. And uh, it all happened very quickly. I had the idea um, in my head of the label and of the picture. Um, I had the, mm -hmm. the concept already drawn out in my mind. And it was just about then calling out, um, calling up all the potential guests um, who I greatly admire and begging them to come on my show. And uh, <laughs> thankfully, thankfully, I don't know, I must have inherited some sort of charm from my parents, but they, most of them said yes. And um, so away we go. And we're nine, 10 episodes in now. So loving it. You know, I, I think one of the first things that I also loved about the podcast platform is, as you mentioned, it's such mobile content. Like you could take it when you're driving around or you're you're doing your chores or multitasking. And it's so easy uh, to listen to podcasts. And I loved what you said where you were able to retain information better when you hear it from the podcast, right? than just listening to a lecture or reading a book. It, it just, for some reason, once heard, stay learned. Uh, I, I heard you say that in one of the episodes and it's really that kind of platform. And I feel like there's such a huge need for what you're doing right now, which is mental health and being able to really understand the human experience of living. So thank you for putting together this Mind Cog podcast. You're very welcome. I'm glad you enjoyed it. 
So when we were actually putting together the show and we were preparing for this with my team, I I had a lot of questions for you personally because I feel like, you know, a lot of people are going through so many things, especially during this pandemic. But I realized that we have so many questions already coming from our listeners here on Adulting with Joy Spring. And I'll just run you through some of them. Would that be okay? Most of it really is just about mental health and, and really being able to cope with a pandemic. Yeah, sure. That sounds fine. For you personally, though, Glenn, may I ask, how have you been coping with the pandemic? Have you been uh, staying at home? Have you been living alone? What have you been doing to really stay sane throughout this whole endeavor? Yeah, look, I think that's a really good question, Joyce. And uh, it's I'm struggling, you know, I'm struggling just mm-hmm. like everyone. And bis, bis, just because I'm a psychologist, it doesn't really make me immune to this sort of thing. And I get anxious, I get lonely, uh, my sleep's been interrupted, and I get stressed. And this is part of what's happening, you know, all around the world. It's a stressful time. People are stressed. And uh, thankfully, because of my, my training and I guess some of my knowledge, I've been able to, to do things to reduce my stress and reduce my anxiety. But I, I really have been struggling and uh, I've been living um, at home in my apartment uh, which is in sunny Sydney. Have you ever been to Sydney, by the way? I've never been to Australia oh, at all, but wow. we have been planning to visit soon. Yeah. <laughs> if they ever let you fly again. But yeah, you, you definitely must come. And uh, <laughs> so I've been spending a lot of time in my apartment uh, and doing a lot of work from home. So I'm still able to practice as a psychologist. And now all the sessions mm-hmm. are online um, over the internet. We do Skype sessions and Zoom sessions. And it's been really tough. So I've been uh, exercising. Exercising. Um, I've been making sure that I, I, I eat very well and uh, get a good night's sleep. Uh, but mm. some days, you know, I, I have bad days. There's some days where I just sort of don't do much. I jump out of bed and I have all these plans and great ideas. And then all of a sudden, I see the remote control and I think, well, you know what? It'd be good to listen to Netflix for the next three hours. And <laughs> I, become, I become lazy. And um, and one of the things I've had to really learn to do and let go of is this this desire and this need to constantly be doing something, you know, to constantly be yeah. achieving my goals and always doing something. And uh, you know what? It's it's okay. You know, it's it's not the end of the world if we have a bad day or a bad bad three or four days. Um, that's okay. Mm-hmm. So. I've been uh, practicing a lot of self-love and self-compassion. That's what we need during this time, right? I feel like this is a constant conversation that we'd have on my podcast where people are trying to be in control of things. So they're trying to do so many things all at once. People are trying to, you know, bake and create businesses and and be productive. and, And those are all good things. But if you're doing them excessively and you're not allowing yourself to like what you said just spend hours on netflix and probably do nothing and exercise self-love you're putting so much pressure on yourself when there are so many things already happening around the world does it help that you're a psychologist or is it worse because you get to really figure out oh this is what i'm like you get to label what you're experiencing (laughs) or is it better Ah, that's a really good question i I think it, it can go both ways but 
I think it's better. Um, I'm, I'm able to very quickly identify what's happening. Um, for instance, I, I might wake up and I might feel very demotivated and I might, you know, be confronted with a lot of thoughts that are sort of negative. The thoughts might be something like, oh, you should just stay in bed all day and, you know, go and grab your iPad and, and then just scroll through Facebook for the next six hours and uh, you can't get up and go to the gym today or you can't get up and do your push-ups. And I'm just aware of those and um, I'm able to work with those um, and overcome some of those thoughts. So it does help that I am a psychologist um, and I'm very thankful for my training and I'm, I'm a lot different to what I was before I studied psychology. Uh, I, I used to give in to a lot of those thoughts and beliefs, um, but now I find um, within a minute or two, I still have the thoughts. I'm not immune to them, um, but I'm able to work through them a little bit more quickly than most people, I'd say. Mm. You know, that's, that's actually something that's related to one of the questions that our listeners sent in. This one's from LJ, and she says, in this time of pandemic, where in anxiety and depression and all these negative emotions seem inevitable, how do you know when it's time to seek help from a professional psychologist or when you're just really tired and you need to kind of take a break from everything that you're doing? Yeah, look, and that's a really good question. Thank you to that person for posting that because uh, this is this is a great question. Uh, when do we know? And the thing that I should point out is that stress and anxiety and feeling low are all normal feelings. We all feel those uh, feelings. We feel happy, we feel sad, we feel frightened, and sometimes we feel anxious. And we're in the middle of a global pandemic. So in a lot of ways, you're meant to be feeling a certain level of stress and uncertainty um, and anxiety at the moment because we don't know what the future holds. It's it, it's real. Um, you know, if we went back during the Spanish flu or during the uh, Second World War and we asked people how they were coping, they would tell you that they're, they're stressed, they're worried, you know, they're concerned. But when your stress and your worry starts to really impact your life and you're not doing the things that you'd like to do, uh, and you're really not sleeping, perhaps you're, you're just not the same person anymore, then, then that's probably time for you to you know, ask someone for help. And you don't need to go straight to a psychologist, it might just be someone like a friend. And usually our mm. friends or our family, they know us really well, um, often better than we know ourselves. So a good place to start would be reaching out, asking a friend or a family member, you know, hey, I, I don't feel quite like myself. I'm, I'm not interested in the things that I'm usually interested in. I'm demotivated. I'm worried all the time. I'm worried sick. And then get some feedback from those people. And if you feel that, you know, you're at a point where you really do need help, then please don't hesitate. You know, there's some wonderful psychologists all around the world and I, I talk to them all the time. Um, they're full of passion and uh, they're wonderful people and they can really help you like therapy. Therapy is an incredible thing. It, it can be very beneficial. Mm -hmm. I love that even though you are a professional psychologist, the first thing that you say is that you don't necessarily have to go straight to a psychologist. You can actually look around 
towards the people around you and see people you trust, people who know you well, and really ask for help. I, I think more than anything, mental health really is just starting a conversation, right? Taking away that stigma of fearing having that conversation with someone because you'll be judged or telling somebody that you're feeling anxious or stressed because you don't want to burden them. Mm-hmm. I think that that's what you said, which is wonderful, that you need to find um, community, really. You need to connect with people and, and have that human connection for you to be able to figure it out with someone you care for and someone who cares for you as well. Absolutely. And look, I'll just add to that. And that that is so important, Joyce, you know, um, you know, we, we, we're social animals. We're a social species. We can't just uh, be happy when we're isolated. We know that loneliness leads to all sorts of nasty things like cancer and, and illness and uh, depression. So we need to reach out now more than ever. And thankfully, you know, we, we're living in a time where we can have chats, we can talk to people, um, we have a conversation from the Philippines to Sydney, <laughs> and <laughs> we can reach out and connect with people. Um, so we need to, you know, take advantage of that technology and do that however we can. And people, we often have this this belief, you know, a lot of people have it all, all across cultures, all, all over the world. Um, and, and it's something like this. When we go to reach out to someone, before we do, we have this thought, and it's something like this. That person doesn't want to know about my problems. That person's not going to be interested in, you know, that person's got their own stuff going on. They're not, they're not interested in me. I'm just going to burden them. And this is just not true. What we know is that when we open up, people feel appreciated. Um, they, they might react by saying, oh, wow, I, I'm really glad that you that you felt confident um, to, to speak to me. And it, it really just sort of enriches their friendship. So it can be, it can be really quite um, a strong bond. So I encourage people to, to speak out, speak to whoever you can, um, because they might need to, to hear it as well. We all need to hear that we're not doing okay at the moment because it normalizes it. And you're right, it breaks that stigma. Yeah, you know, I I had that ex, uh, experience with one of my friends, and she was going through incredibly difficult bouts of anxiety, especially when this pandemic started. And she started opening up to me. We had a Zoom call. We, you know, she was she cried for the first time because it was the first time she really opened up to somebody and she kept saying sorry she kept apologizing for mm. um, because she felt like she was stressing me out or, <laughs> or giving the burden to me and I told her you know what it's actually a privilege to be trusted by someone who's yeah. going through that and be able to listen to you because I'm your friend. There's a reason why we're friends and why we're connected. And there's a reason why, you know, during this time, we get to maximize all this technology to make sure that each other is okay, right? Yeah. How's your friend doing, by the way? How's she doing now? Uh, she's doing a little better, <laughs> but um, it, yeah. it's, it's actually something that we wanted to talk about. So, you know, on the podcast, we constantly deal with issues that everyone's going through, young adults, uh, whether it's relationships or career and f- especially mental health during this time. And we find that there are a lot of practical ways that you could actually lower stress and anxiety during this time. And we actually have a question from Lucky here sure. in our podcast. And he asks, what are some practical tips to lessen anxiety that you could share with us, Glenn? 
Thanks for that. It's a great question. Um, now, it's first, it's good to be mindful that, as I said before, anxiety is a normal emotion. We all feel anxiety. But when you start, when your anxiety starts to get out of control, that's when you need to be um, mindful of that and you need to get on top of it. Some of the things you can do, the, the three basic things are diet, sleep, and exercise. So be mindful of your diet at the moment. A lot of people are, um, you know, getting stuck into chocolates and potato chips and soda drinks. Oh, are drinks you talking and- to me, Glenn? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope not. <laughs> Definitely me. Definitely me. Yeah. And look, th- this is great short term. You know, it provides that little rush, that sugar hit, which makes us feel good initially. But in the long term, it doesn't do anything for stress, particularly sugar and fat and salt. So you really want to be mindful of that and uh, make sure that you're making very good choices in terms of what you're eating. Now, in terms of sleep, we know that that's just so important in terms of stress and anxiety. And a lot of people are ruminating at night too. So I know when um, when it first broke out, I wasn't sleeping very well. And I interviewed a, a psychiatrist on my podcast in the very first week I started it. And he had written several books on anxiety. And one of the first things he said to me is, I'm really struggling. You know, um, I'm really struggling to sleep. So a lot of people all around the world struggling with these things. We just do the best we can. Now, in regards of in regards to sleep, there's a lot you can do. And one of the main things is get into a regular routine. So this is important. This might be um, going to bed at exactly the same time each night, um, making sure that you don't have any coffee um, well before you go to bed. If you're drinking alcohol, then try not to. Um, I know it's tempting at the moment to give in to drinking more. A lot of people around the world are actually drinking more. Um, Try your best not to because it it really does affect your stress and your anxiety and particularly your sleep. So um, get into a a routine and make sure you separate the rooms that you sleep um, when you're sleeping just go to that room for sleep only. Uh, you don't want to go in there and study. And also just um, try to try your very best to um, switch off mobile devices a few hours before you, you go to sleep. That's really important as well. In terms of exercise, you know, we know how beneficial that can be. Unfortunately, a lot of the gyms are shut at the moment, so it's not like we can mm-hmm. sneak off to a gym. But if you can do any exercise at home, Um, you know, I'm doing yoga, daily meditation. I've got weights that I do out in my balcony. I look silly. I'm sure to my neighbors, uh, (laughs) uh, just (laughs) as I pump iron outside on the balcony each day. Um, but it's important, you know, I don't, I don't really care how I look. It's more about how I feel. And so those are some few very practical tips, but I think getting back to what you touched on earlier, you know, reach out to someone, talk to people. And if there's no one there to talk to, Start writing things down. Keep a journal and a gratitude journal and write your thoughts down. It's only until we manifest those thoughts that we can actually see what they look like. Um, When they're ensconced inside our skull, they take on a mind of their own and they usually do or go to very dark and strange and weird places. So identify the thoughts that you're having, put them down on paper and start to look at them. You know, is this a realistic thought? What are the chances of this actually happening? Am I buying into something I don't need to be? And above all, um, speak out and talk to people. I, I love everything that you said, Glenn. And and 
none of those things, I think, are major changes in our lives, right? Um, it's 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 nothing major. It's not like we're trying to um, get you to start your own mental health organization <laughs> to feel better or you know sleep twelve hours in a day or none of those are major changes in our lives. And what I really noticed is that even in the tiniest changes that you make, whether that's in assigning five minutes at the beginning of your day to meditate or ten minutes to do yoga and assigning another 20 minutes to turn off your phone and do journaling at night. These tiny changes that we make in our lives actually have the biggest impact in the long run. And and I feel like what you said, which is basically also building healthier daily habits, they really do affect your mental health. And one of the questions that we got here, um, it's from Janina, and, and she asks, as a clinical psychologist, what do you think is the connection between our sleep and our mental health? And you touched on that, but do you care just kind of going deeper into that? Because I feel like a lot of people also yeah. are finding it difficult now to sleep. And one of the things that I would constantly hear from our listeners is that they do get to sleep, but the sleep is not deep at all and they would wake up in the middle of the night just having panic attacks how do you deal with those kinds of things look that's a very good question it's a very relevant question and uh, you can't really have a conversation about sleep and not have a conversation about mental health and vice versa they go hand in hand whenever i meet with a client in the first five minutes i'll ask them how are you sleeping and I'm not going to put a, a number to it, but, um, well, what the hell, maybe I will. I'd say something <laughs> at like uh, seven or eight times out of ten um, when I ask wow. any, any client, yeah, how they're sleeping, they'll, they'll say I'm not sleeping too well. So we know that things like anxiety can affect your sleep. We know that things like stress can affect your sleep. So if you are stressed and anxious, there's a, a likelihood that you won't be able to sleep. And the worst thing about that is, is when you don't sleep, you're likely to be anxious and stressed. So it's a really horrible cycle and it's a really tough one to break. So the link is profound and uh, you see sleep disturbances all across the DSM. And, and for people who don't understand what that means, that's the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual um, in which you know people like myself, geeky people like myself read. Um, and you know it's, it's full of a lot of different sort of psychological dis disorders such as social anxiety and, uh, and generalized anxiety disorder depression and in all of those cases in all of those diagnoses you'll see people that are struggling to sleep so it, it's it's a profound relationship and it, it really gets down to you know trying to tackle all the issues so if you are struggling to sleep it might help you to start to develop better sleep hygiene habits look at your diet perhaps even go and see a doctor and get a blood test and see what's going on there because it's not always psychological problems with sleep. There can be a lot happening with your body um, that can affect your sleep and it's good to know about these things as well. So I'd say um, do everything you can to improve your sleep um, and develop and cultivate, as you said, better habits. Um, seek medical advice where you can. Um, if you feel that you are just really, really struggling um, with your emotionally and psychologically, then go and speak to someone, definitely. But yeah, it's it's <laughs> they go hand in hand, mental health and, and poor sleep and sleep problems, definitely. Yeah, I remember I was actually just uh, reading a book recently and it said that your circadian rhythm has the power to change your mental state so profoundly that people mm. who 
fix their circadian rhythm the way that you were saying that sleep at the same time and wake up at the same time every day they actually feel less anxious because their body's able to adjust better to all these other changes that's happening outside of it and I loved what you said also that sometimes it's not just your mental health that you have to get checked but also maybe you need to see a doctor with your blood and all these other things that's going on with your body and I feel like more than anything this is really how you you start right you start to have conversations and you learn more about it by listening to the podcast or, or reading a book or, or doing your own research and eventually deciding for yourself what are the changes that you can make and who are the people that you could reach out to to eventually change the things that you're going through. Now, on the other side of the fence is, of course, not everyone who's listening to the podcast right now are going through the same kinds of struggles that, that we're going through and that most people are going through. Mm. Personally, I've had clinical depression and anxiety since I was in high school. And, you know, I've been okay in the past five years. I've actually been off my medicine. But because of this pandemic, I have had to see my psychiatrist and my psychologist once again. And so I would do therapy every week on a Tuesday to kind of get better because I've been really struggling. And what I noticed is that everything that's going on with me also directly affects the people around me. So one of the questions that we've got here is from our friends who are listening to the podcast. We have Jane and, and she asks, and Angelica as well. She says, I have a lot of friends who are going through anxiety and depression. Some of them have been clinically diagnosed. Others just feel like they have anxiety and depression. But their struggle now is how do you become present and, you know, be that trusted person in this person's life? Angelica also mentions that, you know, she wants to be there for her friends, but sometimes she feels like she is being burdened by everything that they're going through and she can't really relate, but she wants to be there as a friend. What are your tips for people who are in the lives of others who are experiencing depression and anxiety during this difficult time? Wow. Yeah, look, that's a really good question. And it sounds like, you know, this person's a really good friend and really wanting to be there and support um, their friend. And look, more people like that are needed, that's for sure. And uh, d depression is really, it's a really tough thing. You know, it's about loneliness. It's about low lowered mood. And a lot of people that are depressed have a lot of negative self-talk. So they have really negative beliefs about themselves, about the world, and about the future. And the thoughts that they have about themselves might be things like, I'm not worthy. Why would anyone want to hang out and talk to someone like me? I'm just going to be a burden. So they're really struggling with those kind of thoughts. So as a friend, I would urge you to, you know, be there for them. Tell them that they're great. Tell them that they're incredible, that you, you couldn't live without them. You're so grateful that, um, that you know that person. And yeah, we, we can't, you know, jump on a on a train and go and visit our friends that um, might be struggling with depression at the moment. But you know what? We can send a text. You know, we can just send an emoji with a smiley face or just a message that says, I love you. You know, I'm so glad that you're in my life. That makes a huge difference. You know, when, you, when you're someone that is depressed and you've got a brain that's just pumping out a million and one negative thoughts about yourself, you're going to cling on to something like that. You're not going to forget it. So... I, you know, someone once said to me, anything is better than nothing. So just do little small gestures and um, help however you can. And as I said, you know, depression's characterized by negative beliefs about the self, about the world and about the future. So, you know, try and be that positive force in that person's life. Give them something 
to be hopeful and give them um, something to look forward to in the future. Um, so yeah, look, th- those are some of the, the practical things I, I would recommend people people doing. Yeah. Um, I love that everything that you said is really rooted in a heart of compassion and empathy for people who are having a difficult time. And, you know, if you're listening to the podcast right now and this kind of friend, right, where you feel like a lot of your friends are going through difficult times, Glenn is right. You just have to be there. Anything is, is important right now, even if it's just a text message or an emoji or an affirmation in a day. And really, like what you said, Glenn, telling that person that you you're here for them, you're you're available to them, that you don't really need to say anything sometimes. They just need someone to listen to them, right? So I think that's that's so important to even build that kind of connection. Um, but, but some of our listeners here are actually very young and they would still be living with their parents. And, you know, one of the things that we struggle here with in the Philippines is that many of our older generation, they really put down the idea of mental health. And so they always say, things like, oh, you're not depressed or you're anxious. You're just being overdramatic. You're being a drama queen, you know? You're you're not mm. strong enough. You're not you're not dealing with this in the way an adult should deal with this. And I feel like I've also experienced this. I tried to open up about my depression to somebody and they just told me, you know what? You have no reason to be depressed because you're very blessed. You have all of these things going on in your life. And and I couldn't explain to them, yes, I'm going through all of these amazing things in my life. And yet I still feel this way. I'm still going through anxiety and depression. And our question here from Camilla says, how do I explain the importance of my mental health and the things that I'm struggling with to, she specified this, baby boomers and (laughs) Generation X as a millennial? Is there a way for them to kind of, is there a way for us to really just, you know, explain it to them without, without sounding angry or or um just yeah yeah look it's a it's a really good question and uh (laughs) look i'm not sure uh i haven't haven't traveled to the philippines before but you know things are a little bit different here in australia thankfully um you know the baby boomer generation seems to be quite on board with mental health so it's a conversation that we can have quite easily um however you know getting back to what you were touching on you know in validation or just invalidating someone's experience is about the worst thing you can do. The first thing you want to do um, when I have a client, or the first thing I want to do when I first meet a client is I want to validate their experience. It's their experience. So you don't want to compare your experience with someone else's because it's not the same. You can't do that. And this is why I have a big gripe um, against people that are um, self-help promoters, or some of them anyway, because Um, they sort of try and promote what works for them and not really what science says will work for most people. So this is a problem. You want to understand what people are experiencing, what they're going through. You want to validate their feelings. You want to um, listen and be interested in what they're saying. And in terms of um, your parents, and and you really got to try and break down stigma there. And I'm not sure if there's too much that 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 young person can do, you know, I guess it sort of would be a governmental um, societal change that would need to happen there through advertising um, and so forth. And that's what's happened here in Australia. 
You know, we've got a, a lot of organizations and NGOs that have really made the people now talk about mental health all the time and, and they do it without feeling any sense of guilt or shame or stigma. And it's great. You know, it wasn't like that 20 years ago here. It was really hard. And, uh, you know, if, if I might disclose, you know, I, I myself have struggled with depression and there was no way 15 years ago I would have told anyone. You know, I would have, I would have felt like I was, would have been embarrassing. But things have changed that much here in Australia now that we can just casually mention that, hey, you know, I suffered depression a while ago, and it, it's no different to saying, hey, can you pass me the salt? <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> it's just so casual. It's just, it's really quite an easy thing. So my advice to that young person is to to hang in there. You know. Um, that's tough when there's generational gaps like that. And there'll, there'll be one with you and um, uh, with this person and, and her grandchildren as well. And one day her grandchildren will go on a podcast and <laughs> say, look, I just can't <laughs> talk to, to grandma. She just doesn't seem to be on my page. And and it is that it just happens, you know. So do the best you can, um, you know, keep bringing it up in discussion and making it normal. You want to normalize it. You know, that's how you break down stigma. You make things normal and approachable. So just by, you know, talking and having discussions about mental health uh, is, is one way that you can um, break down that stigma. Mm. Yeah, you know, um, it's one of the biggest struggles here in, in the Philippines. And anytime you, you start talking about mental health, people would just try to resort and, and tell you that, you're right, it's being invalidated for a lot of young people. Mm. And so that's one of the reasons why I feel like what you're doing with MindCog and, and now that we're creating this podcast for Adulting with Choice Spring, it's so important to just keep the conversation going. That's what you said, right? Keep mm. bringing it up. Uh, make it as normal as possible for you to talk about what you're going through. And they might not be welcoming to the idea right now they might not be able to fully grasp what you're going through but eventually hopefully they will and 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 i find that with a lot of the older generation that were you know in disbelief with mental health here in the philippines they're slowly understanding the repercussions of that towards their children mm. if you invalidate the kids they all of a sudden find other things to do that are not necessarily healthy to cope with what they're going through because nobody's listening to them. And this is something that I actually just uh, went through with my therapist yesterday. Mm. And she said that the reason why I've been, I've not been able to process the trauma that I've experienced as a child is because I didn't have an older figure to validate my experience. And one of the things that uh, people who experience trauma would always have is self-doubt mm. because they would open up about their experience and the older people, their primary care person would just tell them, that's not true. I don't believe you're going through that. Or they would intellectualize it and say things like, oh, it's good that you're going through that. It'll strengthen your character. So it doesn't really validate what the person is going through. So I'm glad that it's better in Australia. Maybe I'll uh, end up moving there so people will understand me better and I could just <laughs> say that I have depression. It's like saying, pass the salt, right? <laughs> You're welcome to come anytime. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love that. Well, Glenn, you know, we've had such an amazing conversation here about mental health, but I wanted to ask you personally, are there things that you've been learning in the past couple of months that all of these 
dire things around us have been happening? Are, are there certain realizations that you'd like to share with us here that you think could really benefit us to better our mental health and our overall well-being? Okay, great, great question. Um, I've learned that it's important to um, continue on with life because life goes on, you know, and uh, and yeah, if you have bad days or a bad week, then that's fine. You've got to be kind to yourself, but you really need to keep being engaged. It's not, um, we're in lockdown. It, it's not a ticket to just throw in the towel. You've really got to keep going with the things that you love and that you enjoy and that you're passionate about. And if you liked painting before COVID, then paint. If you really liked getting out the guitar and strumming on a few chords or writing songs, keep doing that. Do it more. Really get really involved in all those little crafts and hobbies and those things that you're passionate about. And for me, it's playing music. You know, I really enjoy um, writing songs, jumping on the piano, getting the guitar out, singing very badly, um, <laughs> trying to sing and all those sorts of things. And what you want to do is you want to do things that are part of your character, that are you, things that you love, that you enjoy, and that give you a sense of completion and mastery. So, I would say step one would be keep doing those things that you love and you enjoy. Don't just abandon those things now. Um, keep doing them and do more of them. Second thing I've learned uh, personally is to set yourself little goals. You know, don't abandon your goals and dreams. We're goal-orientated species. We're always looking for a target, um, metaphorically, and we're always trying to achieve things. So set yourself smaller, more realistic goals. They're called SMART goals. So <laughs> they're sort of um, specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely. And uh, and if it's if it's as small as you know, this week I'm going to bake a cake, then that's fine. But just set yourself little, small, achievable goals. And the last thing I would say would be to to cultivate good habits. You know, because um, this is going to end sometime soon, or we hope so anyway. And we're going to go back out into the world. And one of the things that's going to happen is if anyone's developed any bad habits now, they're going to carry over. So if we've spent three, four or six months, you know, cultivating bad habits, not eating well, being very inactive, moving away from things that we value and treasure. You know, if we just put down the guitar for six months and don't play it or don't read, don't educate ourselves, then that's going to have a tremendous impact on the other side. So I'd encourage people to keep going with those little daily habits that, that they had before COVID and also be kind, be kind to yourself and be kind to others. Keep going, put on smart goals and be kind to yourself and be kind to others as well. Thank you for that, Glenn. It's been such a pleasure having you here on the podcast. Hopefully we get to meet in person soon when we get to visit uh, Australia. Uh, but in the meantime, would you please just invite everyone to listen to your podcast as well and check you out on your social media accounts? Yes, sure. So if anyone um, wants to listen to the podcast, you can do so um, on iTunes. And the podcast is called MindCog, and we explore the mind, brain, and behavior. And we have very real, honest conversations about life. So it's a, it's a wonderful podcast, particularly those that are interested in um, the psychology, science of the mind, or just hoping to you know, find out ways to make themselves a better person. So you can check us out on Facebook as well. So just MindCog and also on Instagram. 
And thanks for having me on the show today. Joyce, it's been wonderful talking to you. It's been incredible, Glenn. Hopefully we get to do this again soon. Thank you very much for all your insights. I've been listening to your podcast episodes and I highly recommend it to everyone, not just for people who are going through this whole pandemic, struggling with depression and anxiety and their mental health, but really for people also who want to learn more and better themselves even through this difficult time. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Glenn. No worries. That's it for this episode of Adulting with Joy Spring. If you liked this podcast, please don't forget to use the hashtag Adulting with Joy Spring and also check out www.joyspring.com for the show notes and tag me on social media with you know it at Joy Spring. I'll talk to you guys again soon. Paalam.